The scripture for today's teaching comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race. You may proclaim priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's word. When I was uh, first out of seminary, I was made a, a, a head pastor way too young. <laughs> and um, I, 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 I knew I didn't know a lot. Like, I knew that. Um, and so uh, what I would do is I, I would read and write a lot. And um, when, I, <laughs> when I first started preaching uh, out of seminary, I would walk up into this pulpit of this church and I, I am not kidding you. I, I would have 14 pages. And I would just sometimes make it seem like I was conversational, but I was reading it. Um, 14 pages. I have two here. Um, and, and it's actually on purpose. So this year I'm going to do something I've never done before. So I've trimmed that 14 down over the years to five or six. But I'm going to do something uh, different for this year. And some of you may like it. Some of you may not like it, and feedback is always welcome, but I'm really going to shoot for 20 to 24-minute talks, and, and the reason being is uh, I still have to read the same amount, I still have, but I have to put it together differently, and uh, a lot of uh, the work done on adult education is that if you listen to a one-way lecture, um, and, and let's say it's 35 minutes, 40 minutes long, is you will retain about 13 to 18% of that, okay? And what happens in adult education is whatever you retain, that doesn't reflect on and chew on. And when you reflect on, chew on, and that happens later, that doesn't happen here, but it happens later, whatever you reflect and chew on, um, you, you come to a point, you say, hmm, I think that's probably true. Or you discard it and say, Nope, that's a bunch of hooey, okay? This is adult learning. And, but let's say you say, no, I'm convinced that the things I reflected on are indeed true. And then the, second, the third part of adult learning is this, is that when you absorb something as true, no one needs to convince you to start implementation or application because you've already convinced yourself. And then you start to apply it in thousands of different ways in your life. So what I want to do is I want someone to be able to walk away and say, oh, I remember that one idea. I remember that one idea. And I'm going to chew on that one idea. Now, this all happens underneath the umbrella of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Okay? So you're going to notice that. Now, I've already chewed up, what, two, three minutes? So you know, I'm not going to add, I'm not going to tack that on. Right? Um, you're going to have to hold it to me. You guys are going to be like, buddy. <laughs> I probably do need a timer. Um, uh, but, but we have three weeks coming up, and, and the three weeks are just a refresher and a renewal of um, our vision and mission. And you guys have done this probably in a workplace, but just let's remind ourselves, a vision is this, is 
um, it's not realized, but you're imagining, okay, what would life look like ahead of me in the future? All the broken stuff fixed, all the beautiful stuff, even more beautiful and more abundant, all of that. And then a mission is this, okay, what are the things you do to get to that imagined uh, future? So you can see in our mission and vision, um, you can see, oh, this is what we prize. We prize broken lives. So that's going to take a lot of honesty and authenticity and be like, nope, this is who I am. Jesus has to do something. And then we say, but Jesus does transform us and bring us to wholeness over life. Now, you see, the means behind that is this, is we conceive of it as a pretty local reality reaching L.A. Like, I think L.A. is going to be changed not by us reaching L.A. basin, but by reaching the people in our sphere, your sphere, my sphere. So there's this local reality. We say, hey, broken lives are going to be transformed. It's going to be this local reality. So this next three weeks, we want to renew, like, why we're doing what we're doing. Because a lot of us can come to church, and you can be like this. You can be, um, I come, I, I mean, I say hi to people and stuff, and we sing, and it's great, and I learn stuff. But, like, what's happening? Like, what, what are we... What are we doing? Like, is this it? Like, the coming of the, I, yeah, I mean, I like friends. I'm, like, what, what, what are we doing? Now, you may not do that. I am a, this is a caricature. <laughs> You're like, I don't talk like that. All right. So this is what we're doing is this week, we're going to talk about a people. And then we're going to talk about a purpose, like why we're doing what we're doing. And then the last week is, okay, is the, what is the plan? But this week is, I have to remind us, who are we? Who are we? And and Peter, um, I I think we're an eclectic mix of folks who have been called out. And I don't mean that in the challenge sense. Our culture kind of is like, oh, you got called out. I don't mean it in a challenge sense. We are the called out ones. And Peter says we are set apart. We are chosen and we're holy. Okay, so when Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, this is verses 9 and 10, he is actually summarizing massive swaths of scripture. That's why I love this passage is because he's covering almost like all the Old Testament and he's saying, this is who you are. And so this is packed with ideas, but I'm just, we're gonna talk about that is that's what we are, that's what you are, that's why I, you are a called out person. You are holy and you are chosen. When we think, that may seem like a lot, all right? Um, I think, um, when we think of, if I say the words, you are chosen people, you are a holy people, you are set apart unto the Lord. I think that's why a lot of people would imagine it's like, um, oh yeah, that's why I think Christians are smug and judgy because they stand in an elevated position looking down on all the moral peasants. Holy, chosen, set apart. Can you feel the elevation, like going up higher and higher? I'm tall. I have an excuse. Um, But let's look at chosen. You're a called out person, and that means you were selected. You were chosen. Um, Now, I do think that this is our popular, this is a human definition of being chosen, is that you were picked because you were special and you had talent. 
All right, so this is how humanity thinks of the word chosen, and a lot of us can feel this maybe a little bit, is on the playground at school, um, kids offer up brutal real-time rankings of talent, don't they? It doesn't matter if you have adults buzzing around and saying, oh, no, 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 we're going to make it fair, and we're going to have the adults be captains because we're going to balance all the teams, and maybe we're going to even get together and collude as adults and make the most talented people get picked last, but we'll have agreed before who gets picked last so the other ones don't feel bad. So that's how we conceive of choosing someone is I know for sure you're probably going to pick, special means talented and better and stronger and smarter. That's how humanity thinks of chosen. Or they think of chosen in the flip of that. So let's go with the school, let's retain the school theme is, or we think of this is, I'm going to choose you (laughs) if you're a and I'm going to choose you to put your desk in the corner. They still do this, by the way. Or you have been chosen, oh student, to have your desk right next to mine. Is it because they are bright? (laughs) They could be bright. They're just very precocious. Right, so we think of selection and choosing in either you are awesome or you are probably less than awesome. That's how humanity thinks of choosing. Uh, we conceive of choosing as what? It is because you are superior or it is because you are inferior. So we, let's recognize that when I say God has called us out, called you out, and you are chosen, let us get rid of our human definitions of superiority and inferiority because it's not right. It's not even scriptural. So brush them to the side and let's listen to Romans 9. Um, I had a a, a guy in my college, um, a guy I knew in college, he came down to my dorm room and we were arguing about being chosen. And he said, all right, now this is a real dude. He said, we're gonna read Romans 9, like the whole chapter together. You're gonna read it to me. He said, do you believe it's the word of God? I was like, yeah, I believe it's the word of God. He goes, we're reading Romans 9 together. And I I was saying these things out loud and it's hard to get around Romans 9. Read it out loud to yourself. All right, and there's this idea that God chooses and he doesn't choose because of your inferiority, because you really needed it, you bum. Or he doesn't choose you because your superiority. Thank you so much for trying hard. He chooses out of his mere good pleasure. It starts with him. So, a human definition of choosing. It's not a human definition of choosing. So, um, let me tell you why that's comforting. If... It's based on his good pleasure. It's not based on how awesome you are. And it's certainly not based on how many times you've messed up. Like, you trying really, really hard this next week is not going to ignite his affections to choose you more. 
Now, when you start to soak this in, whoa, he picked me out of his mere good pleasure. Do you know what you're also going to believe? His disaffections will not be ignited by your failures. Whoa. Because I know I was picked out of his mere good pleasure. Do, Do you sense a little bit of freedom here? You called out one. You are a called out person and you were chosen. And it wasn't because of your awesomeness and it wasn't because of your less than awesomeness. All right, so another term that we see scripturally and Peter uses it is this, is we are a called out group of people. You're a called out person, I'm a called out person. And he uses another word, he says you're holy. You're holy. Now, this is what it means. Holy means this. It means I set this apart for special use. Please listen to this. We always let, like, man, outside of Christianity, define Christianity for us. And then we're like, man, Christianity is horrible. It does not mean moral rectitude. I have thought holy means moral rectitude. Rectitude means rightness, right? It does not mean purity. It does not, right? Now, some things that are set apart in the Old Testament, they are purified, but it does not mean purity. It does not mean moral rectitude. It just means set apart for special use. Okay. Um, Let me give you an example. Um, The door hinge on one of our doors, um, it was really loose, and... um, and you know how it is with your home repairs. I will, I'll tell you how it is for me. Is I just let it go too long. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I need to get to that. <laughs> but I do have special reminder persons in my house uh, <laughs> that say like, hey, you get, when are you going to do that? Okay, so you know those, um, I was going to say old-timey matches, but like, you know, wood matches. Would matter. Are those old timey matches? Everyone's like, everyone uses a big. But, you know, uh, wood matches. So um, everyone knows they're used to, like, strike fires with. I mean, right? That's, that's their use. Well, um, what I did is I took the hinges off, and you guys know this old, this old trick. We probably learned it from our grandparents is you snap the top of the sulfur part of the matchsticks and you cram it in the old holes, right? So the, so the screws have new, new wood to bite on. All right, so what I did is I took matches out of the matchbox and I was not going to use them for um, conflagration. That means fire. And, I, and so what I did is I made them holy unto the door hinge. Not their use, but I took them out, I plucked them out, and I said, oh, I've got a special job for you. Now, I didn't say that. Even though I'm a weird minister, I didn't say that. Everyone's like, oh, he totally would have. That is a, that is a, I thought of it in the shower two days ago. <laughs> All right? But, but that, is a, that, is, that is a good usage of holy. Those are holy matches. Oh, I need to get some of those. Old-timey holy matches. Um, let me give you three pictures from the Old Testament. How am I doing? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cooking. I'm fine. Um, 
Let me give you three pictures of holiness, set-apartness, that we get from the Old Testament. What I'm going to do is I'm going to zoom in, because this is going to be helpful for us being called out ones. I'm going to zoom in on a person, an individual, and then what we're going to do is we're going to zoom out just a little bit, pop out just a little bit, and talk about maybe a, a, a country. And then we're going to pop out, and we're going to like, let's talk about the globe. All right, so this is all Old Testament examples. So, so when God calls Abram out of Ur, he, he, it's a holy calling. Now, Abram, and this is really interesting, is Abram doesn't understand why. He, all he knows is that he is called out, and it's for some special use, that's holy, that's why Abraham, but, but do you know how it's, it's tur- you know how we talk about Abraham in the Old Testament? There's this phrase, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He doesn't even know why, but he's saying, look, 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 I'm called out and I'm going to believe it as an individual. Now, what happens to um, all, uh, so Abraham had some babies and they had babies, and they had babies. And pretty soon, this group of people did expand so much that they were called the Hebrews. And they, were, they had expanded so much, they had proliferated so much, it was a threat to the Egyptians. And so you remember what the Egyptians did. They said, lest they take us over, let us enslave them. And so the Hebrews went to Egypt. Moses, the whole story. But this is really, really interesting, is you know Moses gets them and leads them in the Exodus. And they move into Canaan. Now the interesting thing about Canaan is now they have all the sons of who? The tribes. Sons of? Jacob, right? And they're leaders of tribes. So they're moving into Canaan, and you know what happens is everyone just gets on Zillow. And they're like, okay, this is what every, we're going to split up these regions by head, the tribe names, Reuben, Asher, right, Dan, Judah. We're going to split them up. And then all the families in that certain dri- tribe, they were like, um, uh, what plot are you going to get? I hope I get a hillside. I hope I get some vineyard space. I want, you know, I hope it's not too many rocks. And it's all divvied up. So much so that the psalmist used this phrase. He says this. The lines have fallen for me in beautiful places. What's he talking about? Oh, my, my land grant kind of hooked up. That's what the psalmist means. All right, except for one tribe. Who gets the pointy end of the stick? The Levites, the priests. Man, heard your dad's a pastor. Sorry. They don't get a land grant. He calls them out from the 12. I'm going to call you out. And you're going to have to experience dependence on me and knowing me. And this is what it does is I am going to make you the ultimate insider to myself. And I'm going to make you an outsider culturally and in your context. I'm going to make you the ultimate insider, but at the same time, I'm going to make you the ultimate outsider. You're on apartments.com looking at rentals. Okay, let's zoom out one more time. 
You know how he talks about Israel, a priest? He says, Israel, 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 I want you to be a priest to the nations. I'm going to call you out from the nations. See the picture? It's in individual. It's in the tribe. It's in the nation. And then it's globe. Hey, I, I want you to, I'm calling you out from all the nations, and you're, and you're very insignificant, and you don't have a great standing army. And, and on paper, you could get rolled over, but I'm calling you out for my purposes. I'm calling you out for my purposes. You are holy unto the Lord. You are set apart. So we get three instances, individual, tribe, Glow. And this is what's funny, is God looks at his people, my people, and they are ultimate insiders. And at the same time, they are ultimate outsiders to the world. Um, now this is awesome about what Peter says, and I don't know if you're gonna think this is awesome, but I think it's awesome. Peter says, you know how I just explained that to you? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, called out ones. That's all of you. That's you. That's you. All of you right now, you're called out and you're set apart and you are the ultimate insiders in a way because you have me through Jesus. But I'm gonna tell you, in your context, you're going to be ultimate outsiders. That's all of us. That's all of us. Um, when I moved back here to SoCal in 2015, and some of you might remember this, I, um, there was an LA Weekly, you know LA Weekly, the news rag, it's more of like a subversive arts events and culture, <laughs> right? And it's free. <laughs> um, in LA Weekly, they had this article, it said um, the top, 10 worst things that can happen to you in LA. And, and, number, and number, number six is running in. And it was like in a, in a social context, like, uh, what's that? Yeah, especially at a party. Oh, I, oh, I made a slide. <laughs> I was like, how did you get that? <laughs> uh, um, now, now, all right, there are Christians that are obnoxious and say dumb things and you know, we, it's like we have to put, we wear all the Christians who say dumb things. We, we got to wear it, right? So that's true. But, but part of it is you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally consistent. That's totally consistent. We're ultimate insiders, but we're ultimate outsiders too. Now, why is that the case? It's because when people are going through pain and suffering, they will glom onto an ultimate outsider themselves who understands, they will. Um, he calls out a little number, and that little number is always for the advantage of a bigger number than that. He always calls out a little number, an insignificant, puny number. Do you know, on the, on the landscape of ch as churches goes, we are a pretty puny, insignificant church who barely made it through the pandemic. Tim. <sighs> he always calls out a little number for the advantage of a greater number. Now let me give this to you. 
because a lot of us have said this, you know what, you, you kind of don't get it. Like, I'm the only Jesus people on my team at work. Like, I don't know if you get it, but like on my block, yeah, they're not friendly to Jesus people. Like, some of you can even say this, is like, in my family, they think I am nutso you out following Jesus. And I'm telling you, he always calls you out for the advantage and sake of the greater number. So in your street or in your complex, he has called you out. Holy, chosen, special, set apart for his work. At your workplace, you have been called out for your workplace. Guess what? Unbeknownst to you, you didn't just move here. You thought you were moving here because you were going to rock it and rock the job. and rock. Guess what? He called you out for a different purpose, and he's going to use that, but he's calling you out for a different purpose. Like the reason why you live where you live is because he has called you out there. He's called you out there. In your friend group, even, even the, peop- the dudes and the girls you knew from, from high school, he has called you out for some reason there. He has called you out on the PTA. He has called you out on your, on your, on your kids' sports teams. He has called you out, and you're just a measly, little, puny, I mean, I say this lightly because you have the image of God and you're beautiful, but we're just like, we're, it's not a big deal. It's not because of our awesome, and it's not because you're less than awesome. It's because out of his mere good pleasure, he chose you and called you out. He called you out. He called you out in the community of South Pass. You know what? South Pass actually doesn't like Christianity all that much. Like, I live here. You look, come on. In your communities, Christianity is not a hot new thing we should try out. But you have been called out, and guess what? You are a radical, ultimate insider with God the Father, but you're going to have to own that you are an ultimate outsider where you live. You're going to have to own it. And some of you are just like, I didn't sign up for that garbage. I've been trying to blend in. You don't understand. I'm telling you, you've been called out. You've been called out. You've been called out. And you weren't called out by me. You were called out by being, you know your father who chose you, and it wasn't because you're awesome, and it wasn't because you're inferiority. You've been, you know who we are? We've been called out. We're the called out ones. Let's pray into that. Jesus, I went too long. But Jesus, by your spirit, would you let us own who we are? We're called out, and we're called out for a greater number. We are not called out for our own pleasure. Jesus, give this, give this renewed, refreshed idea to us. We are called out in Jesus' name. Amen.